0: I said to the guy, "Ah, I don't want that tuba near me, let alone in me. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Okay.
1: I was at a movie once when someone behind me laughed like that. Oh my God. And it was The Gods Must Be Crazy, which wasn't that funny a movie to me. It's like a slapstick movie. And honestly, every two seconds it was like... (laughs) And oh, I was like, went. what are you, like, a, a Halloween thing from Walmart? It was awful. yeah, I would find
0: that so obnoxious. I would want to punch the person. Oh, that, it's making me angry. That's like uh, fingers on the chalkboard. I know. I know. Oh, my God. What a terrible person. Imagine living with that person. <laughs> they had to be there by themselves. I'm sure. And I bet they had dirty nails. Why? I don't know. I just think they would. Because
1: they they remind you of a witch. I just kind of like sound like a dirty nail person. I have a thing about dirty nails. That's why I could never be a laborer. I don't like dirty nails either. I have those surgical brushes that doctors use to clean their nails. And that's what I clean my nails with every day. Hmm. I don't do that. That's a bit No, most people don't. I don't throw them. I don't throw them out. Like they're good for a month or two before they start. Like we have those
0: little brushes in the bath that you would use to scrub your nails. I use surgical ones because they get right in there. But generally my my nails don't get dirty. Why are your nails getting so dirty? What are you doing? I wipe my ass with my bare hand. Oh boy. Well, that would do it.
1: Well, toilet paper is a bad environmental decision. So I just just scoop and then wash my hands.
0: So you must have been in heaven with the uh, toilet paper shortage uh, last year. Wasn't that the weirdest thing? I'm still not over that. Of all things. Not
1: water, no, toilet paper. Mhm. We might we might not be able to drink,
0: but we can poop. Yeah, you would think things like canned goods, bottled yeah. water, medicine, those <laughs> would have been the things that would have gone off the shelves. Nope. And no, it was just toilet paper. No, nope, we're a nation of poopers. And with someone with Crohn's disease, that was a real cruel slap in the face. Do you remember this time last year, I was doing with my children, the TP report. I do. And that was, it, it was born out of a, an actual fear of this is the amount of toilet paper we have. This is how many, we. it was like a daily sort of documenting uh, our, our TP load. And eventually, I think it, it, like, I think we got more toilet paper after what, two, three weeks, it started to reappear on the shelves. The toilet paper companies must have just made a killing just a killing and i wonder if that was a canadian phenomena or if this was global
1: yeah uh, people of the world uh, who listen to the show let us know did you go through the great toilet paper
0: shortage big question that we need answers to <laughs> yeah that's that's what's important to us speaking of big questions that need an answer mm-hmm. that's what i'm gonna do tonight with my show why are you talking like this you know uh, one neighbor of mine who i mentioned before Uh, a young Sasha Johnston of Cape Breton, Nova Scotia, Canada. She mentioned that our voices often put her to sleep. She likes to listen to us before she goes to bed and then has to figure out the next day where she fell asleep. Oh, God.
1: (laughs) Do you know, maybe all of this weird information has been subliminally transferred to her consciousness.
0: Yeah, she's acting Mm. funny now. So this was a daunting task for me this week. Do you want to know why? Yes, I do. Because of the freaking bomb you dropped on me the, with your two-parter. Like, that almost could have been, like, the episode. If we were going out, like, in a in a blaze of glory, that should have been the episode we did it on. Because you tied everything into it. The only thing that didn't appear in your thing was the Mary Celeste. Yeah, I know. Right? No, it was cool. So, this was daunting. And I'm going to go, I'm going to change gear a little bit from what we talked about. and. This is going to be, you know, certainly more concise than the, uh, the War and Peace that you dropped on us. Oh, listen to you. It's just shitting all over my <laughs> ass. <laughs> no, this is interesting. But it's funny that I mentioned uh, the Mary Celeste because this one has a Mary Celeste vi- sort of, a vibe to it. Good. Are you ready for my episode? Fuck yeah. Great. Okay, well, that- I actually wasn't expecting you to say that, but... I have a full bowl of Swedish berries. Oh, I love Swedish berries. Oh, Aren't they the best? They're so flavorful. Oh, they just explode in your mouth. So, and tell me, uh, I'll mention right off the hop, what I'm going to be talking about. I'd like to know if you've heard of the S.S. urang Medan. I couldn't even spell it. Okay, well, that's, uh, that makes sense because it... It's an odd-sounding name of a ship, right? It sounds like something you'd order at, like, a Thai restaurant. <laughs> it's green curry with uh, coconut milk. And I love green curry, Brian. Oh, me too. I love That's it. my favorite. All right. So the SS Urang Medan was a supposed ghost ship, which, according to various sources, became a shipwreck in the Dutch East Indies, which would be modern-day Indonesia. I don't know if you know that, Riley. Mm-hmm. In the Straits of Malacca Waters, or depending on the account elsewhere, after its entire crew died under suspicious circumstances, either in, this is part of the story, 1940, 1947, or 1948, depending on the newspaper source.
1: Wow, that's that's a big discrepancy.
0: It is, and I'm going to get into it a little bit. I think you can kind of ignore the 1940 account, Mm -hmm. and there's a pretty apparent reason why i think it's okay to say that it might actually be a separate incident altogether which in itself is interesting cool okay so here's the story in june 1947 two american vessels navigating the straits of malacca the city of baltimore and the silver star among others passing by picked up several distress messages from the nearby dutch merchant ship urang medan and so and just a quick side note uh, the vessel's name, because I was wondering what what it what does it mean. Yeah, what does that mean? So it translates to "man from Madan," and Madan is an island in Sumatra, or okay. Sumatran Island. Yeah, cool. So not not weird, but just yeah. So a radio operator aboard the troubled the troubled vessel sent the following message in Morse code: S O S from Urang Madan dash dash dash. We float. All officers, including the captain, dead in chart room and on the bridge. Probably whole of crew dead, dash, dash, dash. A few confused dots and dashes of Morse code. Later, two words came through clearly. They were, I die. Then, after that chilling message, there was nothing more heard of them. That is such an unsettling fucking message oh my god mm-hmm. and that dash, dash dash it's like incomprehensible morse code that was <gasps> was in it right so that's why i was
1: can you imagine that. receiving that message uh,
0: was it at night no during the day oh okay many ships heard it when the silver star crew eventually located and boarded the apparently undamaged urang medan in an attempt at a rescue the ship was found littered and this is a big ship like this is huge it's a it's a world war ii era uh freighter ship this is not like a, a yacht okay Right. Lot, huge crew back in the day when ships were big and metal and dirty that's right so the ship was littered with corpses including the carcass of a dog everywhere with the dead bodies found sprawled on their backs all of them on their backs The frozen and allegedly badly frightened faces of the deceased upturned to the sun above with mouths gaping open, teeth bared, eyes staring straight ahead, and arms outstretched as if they were reaching for something. Oh my god, I'm picturing that in my head. So all on their back, hands and arms positioned in a way that was odd. It didn't look natural. They died doing yoga. (laughs) Which I feel like I'm doing every time I do it. (laughs) I don't enjoy yoga. Do you? No, I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that. I do. There's elements of it that I like. Do you know what I don't like about
1: it? I went and did it about a couple of years ago with a friend who's a yoga instructor. And I felt
0: so ashamed of how inflexible I was that I couldn't go back. That's why I don't do it. See, I don't mind doing it when it's on my own. We learned stuff in theater school to stretch and all that to prepare our bodies for Mm -hmm. performance. I don't mind doing that on my own. I don't want to do it in front of anybody else. No, because I was ashamed by my lack of flexibility. Yeah. So,
1: yes, I think it's a great thing, but I don't do it well enough to want to do it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Me too. And I know it's something that people say I should be doing, and and I just don't. All right. So, back to the story. No survivors were located, and no visible signs of injuries on the dead bodies were observed. They were just dead and frozen in these weird, horrible positions.
1: They're like the cattle at the Skinwalker Ranch.
0: Yeah. And and apparently the descriptions of their their faces, it looked like pure fear. Even the dog apparently had a, a look on its face of pure fear. You know, like the, the, the face restricted in the eye. Yeah. Eyes wide. Horror comics or horror literature when I was
1: young always described this the best. The phrase, frozen in a hideous rictus of death. Yeah, That's the classic.
0: Mm-hmm. So some rescuers reported a freezing cold chill on board, despite the temperature being well over 100 degrees that day. And it's middle of the day, it's not night. So that's just the start of the mystery of the Ourang Medan. Reports go on to suggest that shortly after the ship was boarded, a fire broke out in its bowels in the number four cargo hold, forcing those who had arrived to this grisly tableau to evacuate shortly after they did the ship exploded with such force that it was lifted out of the ocean before quickly sinking without a trace so basically what happened is they got on board they discovered all this the captain uh, decided well we're going to bring the ship into port Mm -hmm. so they actually started towing the ship right and they had just secured it I believe there was crew still on from the Silver Star still on the Urang then they saw the smoke starting to billow out they got the hell off of it And the ship was able to get out just far enough that when the ship exploded, they were okay. But all the evidence is gone. All the evidence is gone. Oh! It blasted up into the air and then just like went down like a ton of bricks into the ocean. So a a pretty massive force blew it up.
1: One time I was at the beach with my parents and we had a six pack of soft drinks and one of them exploded and then they all exploded in the hot sun. Not kidding. True story. In the 70s seriously should do an episode just on that oh, you <laughs> terrible witch go get your broom and go
0: home terrible witch. <laughs> I love that you just called me you know one of my favorite things you used to do when someone would say something to you that you disapproved of this <laughs> is me just thinking about it you would pretend to like spray them with a disinfectant can yes i still do that i love it i love it that's one of my favorite things (laughs) (laughs) all right so naturally this leaves us with not one but two uh, incredible mysteries to ponder what caused the mass demise of the orang medan's crew and what caused the subsequent explosion to make things even odder and this is kind of the theme of this this episode, to make things, just when you think it's odd enough, it gets weirder. Uh, to make things even odder, the ship may never have existed. Whoa, hold up. Ooh. What do you mean the ship may
1: have never existed? It was registered? Someone built it?
0: Mm-mm. All right, go ahead. So here are the facts. This is what we know for sure, okay? This famous story leads to all kinds of dead ends. And that in itself is super weird. It's strange. And to be honest, Riley, I wasn't even sure, and I mentioned this to you before we started recording this episode, I wasn't even sure if I wanted to do this story at all. You know, we come up, you and I, I think, both sort of have a similar way of uh, you know we go through and find different stories and i am always collecting possible ideas and i store them on my phone actually i use the note feature on my phone i've actually done a lot of ones where i've started the research and abandoned it because and i, just- I thought this was going to be one of them I, I i didn't think that there was enough first of all to tell a, a full episode and some of the stories that, that i that we find you back pocket them because we'll probably end up doing another odds and ends at some point absolutely right those small ones and i thought oh maybe this will be but this thing just this just gets bigger okay so the biggest dead end is the fact that there's no mention of the ss urang medan's registration in lloyd's shipping registers nor has any official recording of the biz- of the bizarre incident on board been discovered There's also the problem of the precise date of the disaster, which I mentioned earlier. The reason this has been so difficult to pinpoint is that newspaper reports tell various versions of the story across a period of time, each adding and embellishing details along the way. The first appearance was a series of three articles in the Dutch-Indonesian newspaper. (laughs) I can't do a Dutch accent without having Dutch people hate me, because I just do Goldfinger, or Member, whatever his name is. I like gorge. Isn't that weird? That's Mike Myers doing a Dutch accent. That's that what I can do. German. All right. So it first appears in this Dutch uh, Dutch Indonesian newspaper on February 3rd, 1948. The name of the ship that found the Uurang Medang is never mentioned, but the location of the encounter is described as 400 nautical miles southeast of the Marshall Islands, which is uh, the same area that was described in the initial story. The second and third articles describe the experiences of the sole survivor of the Urang Madan crew, who was found by an Italian missionary and natives on Tayongi Atoll in the Marshall Islands. So this is odd. The man, before perishing, tells a missionary on the island that the ship was carrying a badly stowed cargo of sulfuric acid. Oh. and that most of the crew perished because of the poisonous fumes escaping from broken containers. According to the story, the Urang Medan was sailing from an unnamed small Chinese port to Costa Rica and deliberately avoided the authorities. The survivor, who was an unnamed German, died after telling his story to the missionary who told the story to the author, Silvio Shirley, who is a reporter from Trieste, Italy. The Dutch newspaper concludes with a disclaimer, and it says, This is the last part of our story about the mystery of the Ourang Madan. We must repeat that we don't have any other data on this mystery of the sea, nor can we answer the many unanswered questions in the story. It may seem obvious that this is a thrilling romance of the sea. On the other hand, the author, Silvio Shirley, assures us of the authenticity of the story. One English reference to the ship and the incident came in the May of 1952 issue of The Proceedings of the Merchant Marine Council, published by the United States Coast Guard. They they even acknowledge that this happened. New evidence found by the Skittish Library. And they're very nervous folk.
1: I was just going to say, this is, is it really <laughs> called the Skittish?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's
1: spelled that way too. I love you go in and knock on the door and they all run. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Don't make a noise. The thing is, they've had this information for decades and they just couldn't bring themselves to let people know. They're very concerned people. Now there's a skit right there. So new evidence found by the yeah, yeah. new evidence found by the Skittish Library shows there were in 1940 this is where 1940 comes in newspaper reports of the incident from the Associated Press in British newspapers the Daily Mirror and the Yorkshire Evening Post the Daily Mirror being one of the most famous papers in the world right Yeah 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 of course but there were differences in that story from 1940 the location being the Solomon Islands and the SOS messages are, was also different from later reports. The story still appears to originate, though, with Silvio Shirley in Trieste. So, same guy that's the source for both stories. I know I shouldn't do this, but Trieste. No, that's fine. I have no idea how that's. How do you know that? How that's pronounced? Because I've been there. And look trieste. at you. So, how is it pronounced? Trieste. Trieste. Not, da.
1: not There's not da. da, da. There's okay. no uh at the end. Trieste. Trieste. Yeah. It sounds French. Trieste. Yeah, it's it, it, okay. yeah. I've been there.
0: So does that mean they are the same, or are we looking at two different stories that he was reporting on, right? He's a reporter. This man is not just some person telling a story. He's a published, you know, author. He doesn't just make stuff up. Well, he could. Yeah, but then he'd be working for Fox News. (laughs) Yeah. So regardless of the inability of researchers to find hard evidence of the ship's existence, believers swear... That this impossible, fantastical tale is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. They argue the ship's registry can't be found because it was actually registered in Sumatra. Now that being said, because I went and looked this up, there's no registration records for a ship by the name of Ourang Medan, uh, and they people have searched all over the world to see if it was registered, you know, in different places, including the Netherlands. Obviously, it's a Dutch ship and Indonesia and there's no, there's no record at all of the orang medan existing i got to write a song called orang medan it just
1: sounds like orang medan orang medan o medan come medan why orang medan orang medan
0: it's that's like a camp song yeah
1: you know when they finally find me in the home where i've been abandoned i'll just be in the corner going <laughs> Ourang medan Ourang medan oh, i just lost my mind it's been a long night <laughs>
0: I'm turning into you. I love it. Oh, it's working. Oh, great. All right. So here's what's, here's a, another little interesting tidbit. I said we were only going to talk facts. The Silver Star definitely exists. Okay. It's a real ship. So here's a question for you. If the Star Silver Star really does exist, how would this Italian reporter know that? And it was in the area, right? That was a, a place it would go. So how 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 would he know that? Is it easy to check? Now, to these days it would be maybe even now with the internet. But this is the 1940s. Could they just make a phone call and say, "Hey"? No, it's the 1940s. I, I mean, maybe. Do you know what I say to that? Oh God. <laughs> Oh, good. I am I hope you choke.
1: Oh, I'm having such a good time
0: now. Yeah. All right. So, author Roy Bainton states... Do you want to fix my pronunciation on his name, too? Did you meet him at a cafe in Bruges? Author Roy Bainton states that the identity of the Silver Star has been established with very high probability... Ship's logs for the Silver Star, however, did not show a record of any such rescue attempt. Uh Uh-huh. Weird, eh? Bainton and others have put forward the possibility that accounts of, among others, the date, location, names of the ships involved, and circumstances of the accident might have been inaccurate or exaggerated, or that the story might be completely fictitious. This story is bugging me. People need to write shit down. Oh. Just wait. Oh, God. So let's get into the, some of the theories, because that that that's just, that's what's happened, right? Right. There's many, many newspaper stories after that that report on this weird thing that happened. Do you know what is
1: etched into my consciousness? The image of how they found them. Mm-hmm. Like staring straight up and the
0: dogs and everything and the and looking terrified. Ah! So, theories. So obviously one theory is that it's a complete hoax mm-hmm. that was made up to sell stories. You know, perhaps that... Uh, journalist had a um, he had seen that ship and decided to write a story around you know the Silver Star and and this weird rescue attempt and if you go on to Reddit as we've talked about before oh yes that's just pretty much everyone's it's bullshit it's not real it's a hoax let it go and I sided with them you know it's funny when I was doing the research I I wrote my conclusion early to this episode. Uh, and basically I was saying, I think, I think this is a hoax. Great story, really interesting. Don't think it's real. Okay. Okay. However, some people claim that it is. And here's some of the theories of what possibly happened to the crew. Okay. That would explain sort of what happened. Hit me. So one is that it was carbon monoxide poisoning. This theory suggests that an undetected smoldering fire or malfunction in the ship's boiler system might have been responsible for the shipwreck. Escaping carbon monoxide would have caused the deaths of all aboard, with the fire slowly spreading out of control, leading to the vessel's ultimate destruction. What are your thoughts on that? I guess it's
1: rational. I guess it's logical. This is a huge ship.
0: People would have survived that. There would have been more survivors. I can't see how one smoldering fire would... would poison everyone pretty fast too, right? Now, the the so the the radio operator obviously was able to do his thing, but why was he alive and not the captain and you know yeah. other people that would have been far away from the engine block? That is a lot of holes in it. There's lifeboats on this thing. Yeah. Right? They could have gotten off. Yeah, there would have been more survivors for sure. And carbon monoxide poisoning isn't quick like you well, it puts you to sleep from from what I understand. Yeah, you right? die in your sleep. Yeah. And you don't die in a rictus of pain. Nope. So I don't know that that one is accurate. It's interesting, you know, but I don't think that's it. The other theory is that it was a pirate attack. It's possible that it was a pirate attack. It wouldn't be out of the question for the area of the world that they were in. That's what I was just going to say. Pirate attacks, super common. Okay. But huge problem with that. Mm-hmm. The bodies were, that, they, that they found were largely unwounded right they looked like they were in pain but there was no uh, sign of struggle there was no there was no blood or anything like that And apparently none of the stuff on the ship was missing. The way you describe the bodies, it makes it sound like nerve gas or nerve agent. Oh, Riley, with precognition ability. (laughs) Okay. He ruins the episode for Danny. Riley, the, the jerk precognitive person. That was good. That was a really good song. Who told you that? My mom, she just texted me. She's listening outside the window. All right, so that leads to the next theory. And and it ties in with what uh, was said by that supposed survivor. I guess maybe he jumped off the ship. We don't really know more than what was read. So the other theory is that it was leaked a leaked chemical, possibly sulfuric acid. It is possible that sulfuric acid leaked in the ship's cargo hold, the crew may have begun suffering from hallucinations and were terrified, not knowing that their bodies were slowly being poisoned. That's how that theory goes.
1: Isn't sulfuric acid like wicked, awful substance? Like that was the one they kept under lock and key in chemistry class.
0: Yeah, it's it's extremely corrosive. Ugh, yeah. So I did a little research on that. And if you inhale the fumes, is it deadly? Yes, it is. You'd have to be exposed, though, to a pretty hefty dose in order to to die rapidly, inhaling sulfuric acid, you're going to be definitely doing some damage to your lungs. But one of the common symptoms with that type of poisoning is vomiting. Okay. Your body automatically starts to try to expel this uh, from it. So there was no description of any bodily fluids being seen on the ship, oh. and that would be kind of something you would, you know, describe. I think if you saw it. Yeah.
1: I think sulfuric acid is used a lot by serial killers or has-been to try to, to help speed
0: decomposition. Right, so I don't think it's sulfuric acid. Again, if, mm-hmm. if this ship existed, I don't think it was that. So was the SS Demise nothing more than an accidental poisoning? How did the rescue crew and this is, in, this is important as well. How did the rescue crew of the Silver Star come on board with the poisonous fumes totally unharmed? Could it be possible, Riley, that darker forces were involved? Oh, my. And it doesn't have to be aliens, okay? I you know that's where you always want to go. No, it's the Catholic Church. Do you remember the great gazoo from the Flintstones? Yes.
1: Voiced by. by who? Harvey Corman from The Carol Burnett Show. Really? Hi, Dum Dum. Yeah. I liked him. He was arrogant what in real life you mean no i loved him he was so bitchy and mean and like oh hi dum-dum and he was a bit queenie
0: Mm. oh you mean gazoo or you mean harvey no gazoo not harvey corman i loved harvey corman i hated gazoo harvey corman was the ultimate straight man yeah he was amazing yeah and it was the best when he when he broke yeah like you would cry right he was good at holding it together yeah which because that's what i don't like about jimmy fallon is that he breaks so easily And it's not funny when he cracks and... and Do you know who the worst person for
1: that is? And I don't know who he is. You might know because I haven't watched Saturday Night Live in years. But there's a guy on Saturday Night Live who does kind of a gay character. Oh, Bill Hader. And he just can't keep it together.
0: Like, keep your shit together, dude. Do you want to know why, though? Why? So Seth Rogen used to be a writer on that show who now has his talk show. Wait, wait, stop. Seth Rogen? Not Seth Rogen. Seth Meyers. Okay, you you get him confused with Joe Rogan and no, Seth Rogan's the guy like Pineapple Express, Canadian guy from BC. Oh, okay, oh Seth Rogan, yeah, he's that actor. He's that actor
1: who just can't get anywhere. He lost a bit of weight. He was in the Green Arrow or something, the Green Hornet. Yes, yeah, he he had a. Couple of good movies in he's him. He's very successful. No, but he's dead in the
0: water as an actor. I oh, think. My God! Didn't he? Hook, didn't he do stupid shit with James Franco? Didn't he? You know what? I was at a show, a fairly large production. You know, performing in front of a thousand ish people with my improv company. We were one of the acts in it, and there were some big Canadian names. He was supposed to be there to receive an award. I believe is it, it was the well, it is the John Candy Award. Uh, so it was him and Mary Walsh from uh, this Indian hour television. Yeah, yeah this hour's twenty two minutes. Cogco and all that. He didn't show up. You know, you're backstage and you're seeing what's happening. And like John Candy's family was there. Right. You know, yeah. this is the first time they're going to be giving this out. And every year it's it goes to a male recipient and a female recipient. It just didn't show. I didn't think that was Seth Rogen. Advice. But anyway, I don't think Seth Rogen is very.
1: Good. I think he is a very niche. He's like Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah, that nerdy looking. Yeah. Like God, he has. He's done some good stuff, but he though. has no range. No range whatsoever. He can only be that guy. Right. Can I just you say know, one thing? Though, I think that shows when you see actors like that. It shows um, how they've done a disservice to themselves by not being professionally trained. Well, I think Sarah was. He's also Canadian when you're trained professionally you learned how to adapt to whatever the role is you're given but
0: when you're someone like the rock all you can do is be the rock yeah but he's just he's just a movie star he's not an actor he's a movie star yeah okay go ahead let me get back to my sub story before i get back to my main story the sub story thing i wanted to tell you was the reason why bill hader laughs like that in that sketch specifically is that he would not have a chance to read. Like, he would be reading for the first time ever live on television. Mm -hmm. So Seth Meyers would write, and he would write specifically things that he he was trying to make Bill Hader corpse.
1: Yeah, but you know what? That show's being produced not for those two, but for a fucking audience. Keep your your bullshit like, ooh, I'm going (laughs) to fuck with you. Like, I hate when acts do that.
0: (laughs) We did it. We did it all the time. But I, the shit that I do to you on stage, trauma. Yeah, but I wouldn't.
1: The thing is- No, but I would make you laugh. The thing is, is that like, I don't care about your little inside jokes. You're supposed to be on a show and you're supposed to be professional. Don't be an idiot. Anyway, I hated that. Whatever that character was, I hated it. Now I'm angry.
0: I'm just too angry to go ahead. Well, this is good. I've channeled him too angry to go ahead. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, so here here's the next theory. And this is, for me, where it starts to get really interesting, okay. this whole story. It's been kind of, okay, now it gets kicked up a gear. So, some hypothesize that Orang Medan
1: <laughs>
0: might have been involved in smuggling operations of chemical substances, such as a combination of potassium cyanide, and nitroglycerin, or even wartime stocks of nerve agents. Okay. Which is very illegal. Professor Theodor Seisdorfer, I love that name, (laughs) a German researcher who has been poring over the case for over half a century, discovered an old German publication from 1953 entitled Das Tortenscheifen der Sudsee, or The Death Sheep in the South Seas. Is that a good German accent? And I love that the title is just not embellished in any way. How very German. (laughs) The the death. Yeah, I know. So this little booklet, courtesy of now deceased scholar Otto Milk, is believed by some to offer evidence that the ship was real, as was its tragic fate. Mm. It offers an intriguing possibility as to the cause of the explosion that sent the Orang Medan. (laughs) Medan. To the depths. Das and der Südsee suggests that potassium cyanide and nitroglycerin were stored in the ship's hold. According to these theories, seawater would have entered the ship's hold, reacting with the cargo to release toxic gases, which then caused the crew to succumb to asphyxia and or poisoning. Later, the seawater would have reacted with the nitroglycerin, causing the reported fire and explosion. Okay. If this is what happened, this could certainly explain the vessel's sudden accidental destruction as well as the nebulous nature of any records connected to the ship and the incident. In the tense international climate at the close of World War II, these were super sensitive materials to be transporting and would spark quite an incident should they be used carelessly. Perhaps, The details of the SS Orang Medan are so difficult to find because somebody wants them to be, even all this time later. Wow, okay. Well, potassium cyanide is a vicious poison. The fact that the crew of the Silver Star came on and didn't have a lot of exposure perhaps explains why they didn't succumb. Right, makes sense. Somewhat. Another theory, which follows the previous one, is that the ship was transporting nerve gas, which the Japanese military had been storing in China during the war. Ding, 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 ding. What's that? That's me saying I that's the one I support. Yeah. Okay. And which was handed over to the U.S. military at the end of it in 1945. No U.S. ship could transport it as it would leave a paper trail. So they were trying to take this without anyone knowing, right? Mm-hmm. It was therefore loaded onto a non-registered ship for transport to the U.S., an island in the Pacific, or perhaps Costa Rica. It's argued that any news of the transportation of such sensitive materials would have caused, yet again, you know, public panic and foreign outrage. This theory lends credit to the hundreds of government cover-up theories circulating online, right? Again, we've talked about this a lot. Mm -hmm. There are many stories where the government does, yeah, bad things sometimes, right? Yeah, really, I didn't know that. So to the outside world, The Oorang Medan never existed because there isn't any concrete evidence of its existence. And I don't think that's a stretch to think that a ship would be unregistered if it's doing something bad. Probably it was originally something else Mm -hmm. and then became that. Possible? It's almost as if the ship itself was a ghost. The logs of the Silver Star omit any records of the SS Urang Madan rescue attempt, and no crew members of the Silver Star ever shared any relevant information with the media. So, Riley, yes, if the Oorang Madan never existed, the best, then why did the Coast Guard reference in Fifty Two? And I think slightly more importantly, why does the ship come up? in recently unclassified documents from the CIA. Boom. (coughs) Amen, brother, amen. I was about to drop this, and then this is what I found. And this isn't, like you can go on Wikipedia, you will find no mention of this, which is weird. Years after the supposed incident in 1959, a person by the name of C.H. Mark wrote a letter to an unknown person within the cia detailing things about the orang there is disagreement on whether mark worked for the cia or not some sources say that he did uh, and that he held actually a very high rank within the cia and others say that he was just a citizen who was concerned writing in mm-hmm. mark says, first says that he has written before to the unknown recipient about mysterious disappearances of ships and crews on the high seas Mark then asks the recipient if they believe the urang mystery is a case of the unknown. He even stated, and I quote, I feel sure that the SS Ourang Medan holds the answer to many of these airplane accidents and unsolved mysteries of the sea. Mark also talks about fiery spheres that rise above the ocean or disappear into it, and the numerous encounters people have had with these spheres throughout the ages. Mm. He then concludes the letter with, the enchanting sea. What terrifying secret does it hold? It's noteworthy to mention that the name of the recipient of the letter, the person Mark wrote the letter for, remains censored to this day by the CIA. Wow. Okay. The letter was disclosed to the public on May 5th, 2003, and can be seen, actual copy of the letter. Uh, and I'll provide the link on our Facebook page. If you want to click on it, you can read the letter. It's real. It's real. Um, so the, the CIA f- thought that this thing was worthy of making it top secret. Okay. So there's something more to it. Right. And to this day, they, they won't reveal who it was addressed to. Wow. Okay. Could have been Dulles, who was the head of the CIA. Could have been the president. Who knows? So this opens so many questions in the discussion of the Ourang Medan. Was something else going on with the Ourang? The CIA letter does somewhat support the argument that the records of the Orang Medan could have been destroyed by some kind of government agency. Why would someone who is part of one of the most powerful agencies in the U.S. even be familiar with this hoax if he was an employee? What did Mark mean by fiery spheres? What does Mark mean by secrets and the unknown? He's either telling us something or he's a complete and utter nutcase who did Mark send the letter to? And why would the CIA release the letter and disclose its sender, but not the person receiving it? And most importantly, if Mark is to be disregarded, why did the CIA classify this letter as top secret for 50 years? If he's just a nut bar, they're not doing that. It would just be another letter that they they got. So, The last sort of theory is that it's ghosts. The possibility of a supernatural event has been brought to the question, but it is nearly impossible to verify given the secrecy of the vessel's end. Even today, conspiracy theorists and paranormal enthusiasts question what could have happened to the SS Orang Medan. Ghosts and alien attacks have come into question. Paranormal researchers claim that Ghosts emit a cold chill, which we've talked about before and you can see on any of those ghost hunting shows, uh, which leads one to believe that the spirits of the men on the U.S. on the SS Orang Madame were still on board when the, the crew of the Silver Star arrived. Were the fiery spheres evidence of an alien craft or attack? Is it possible the ocean acts as a secret base for some aliens, right? That's based on that CIA letter. Mm-hmm. They come and they go out of the ocean. So to conclude... There are so many loose ends here, but one thing is for certain. The case is, much like the Mary Celeste and countless other unsolved mysteries we've discussed on this show, seemingly impossible to know. Through most of my research for the story, I was leaning heavily on that this is just a creepy old pasta story. But the CIA letter, for me, at least changed that one. Now, I have no idea. This is just plain weird. Oh, nice way to wrap it up. Mm -hmm. Merry Christmas. There we go. Yeah.
1: I think it was nerve agent. I do too. The description of the bodies, it just, no other thing that I know of, and I'm not an expert in any way, shape or form, but no other toxin that I know of would cause that kind of muscle constriction. Nerve agents cause you to constrict into really weird forms. That's right. right. And I remember hearing like from war, testimony from war where nerve agents were used, how the corpses
0: were horrific to look at. Mm Mm-hmm. And it would make so much sense why the ship, why they wanted it to disappear. Mm -hmm. You hear about black ops. I I do believe for sure there's such a thing as black ops. Like that's not a huge leap of faith to, you know, accept that as a a probable truth. God, no, of course. This is just an early form of of a black op. Again, it's the government behaving badly, handling something they had no business handling. It should have been destroyed Mm -hmm. and getting kind of caught and then having to cover it all up. Yeah, that's what I think. And shit like that should never have existed in the first place. And it makes you wonder then, too, like, again, connections with uh, Area 51. And what was the name of the group, again, that you discussed in your your half? The um, National Institute for Discovery Science? No, no, no. But that that secretive group that was meeting in Nevada. I can look it up. I have all the scripts. Well, it's just that secretive group that, that people sort of think perhaps is planning things and... Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yes, oh, there was 12 of them. Yes. Oh, what were they
1: called?
0: I don't know, Dan. Yeah, there was 12 of them. I think for sure there was uh like you said a substance on that ship that they shouldn't have had, some sort of nerve agent, right? Mm-hmm. Is it possible there were aliens being alluded to in that CIA dispatch? Possibly. I'm again not a big believer in that stuff, but I'm it boy, it's starting to get hard to not believe with some of the things that have happened in the last you know, 30 years, 35 years. And is there
1: anything in the world more deplorable than dirty warfare? There's nothing worse to me than shit like mustard gas and just really dirty warfare, kind of like, you know, akin to maybe a very powerful country uh, poisoning somebody who is critical of their government.
0: That's all I'll say yeah, about that. It is not something I'm surprised actually that it hasn't become more commonplace. As a uh, mass weapon of destruction. Yeah. To be honest, because I don't have a lot of faith in a large segment of humanity to do the right and honorable thing. Same. Same. Man, you know, like really. Because I think the last time we saw a mass attack of it would have been the sarin gas used by Saddam Hussein in Iraq against Iranians. Yeah. And his own people, the Kurds. Yeah. It's just shitty. It's just such shitty, shitty, awful thing to do oddly i think nuclear weapons have in a weird way nuclear weapons are such a huge deterrent mm-hmm. that no one dares use something like a, unless you're a terrorist right there's there was a sarin gas uh i don't know if you remember that like 15 20 years ago in japan I mean, oh japan in japan in the subway system oh god but that's different right that's not a state sanctioned action so i yeah i i think that's probably what it is it, it would also explain the explosion it would explain the reason why this thing seemingly doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Maybe the Coast Guard made a mistake by including that in, in their writing, you know, that this yeah. this happened. But at the same time, the Coast Guard probably wouldn't be privy to a black op, you know? Yeah, and they would just want every record of that to not exist. We got dark. That's dark. We got that's not
1: dark. The werewolf of Bedburg is dark. <laughs> right. That's always going to be our sort of benchmark for oh my god. And again, it's not the perpetrator of the crime so much as what they did to him. Yeah. Oh, man, your description of that was so vivid. Your poor yeah. children.
0: And I may I do drawings for them every night. <laughs> Their walls are covered in these drawings. Oh, no. Yeah. That was a good one I liked. I like
1: stories like that where we don't know what is it? Where'd it go? Who knows? And little twists, little twists here and there. It leaves so much room for uh, speculation, which I like. hmm
0: mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's it. Uh, we kept people uh, over the last two weeks for over three hours with your Odyssey of a show. So let's keep this one under an hour yeah. because we have to respect their time. I promise I won't do another uh, Skinwalker Ranch for a while. Well, we'll see what Janine sends you. I know, really. She'll send me a big box of dryer lint. Oh, that's great for starting a fire. And you can you can compost it in our in our city. Great. Yeah. Now you know. All right, everybody. Uh, that's it for our show. Uh, Riley, is there anything you'd like to, to share with people? Oh, no, just my usual thank you so much for being our companions on this wonderful journey. Courage, traveler. Yes, and if you like what you're listening to then uh, please feel free to share the word of the weird with your friends your family your co-workers a pet perhaps that likes to listen to the radio maybe as you're gone off to do your thing during the day share it with them let them listen we don't ask for any money when we do this show uh, what we we do it for you and and what's Keeping us going is seeing uh, all the different people from all over the world that are listening. So thank you very much for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we appreciate your support; it means the world to us. See what I did there? It truly does. All right. Well, uh, good night, everybody, or good day, depending on what time you're listening to this. Good morning. Bye. <laughs>